Welcome to episode 11 of the Technology Architecture Solutions Engineering Show. I'm here with Mr. Askins today once again. How are you, Mr. Askins? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm getting over a little bit of a cold, so that's a good thing. Tis uh, the season. Tis the season. Tis, tis the season. Pretty much everybody I know has got something. So, so, so you know it's going to be great? Is if somebody's going to listen to the backlog of this in like June or July and they're going to be like, got a cold? What are you talking about? It's June or July. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's February in Pittsburgh and it's snowing. So, yep. None of those. That's not good. Nope. Not an ideal configuration for people that like it warm. Definitely not. <laughs> um, so, and then we have a pretty packed agenda. So let's jump right into it and we'll, we'll address the elephant in the room. So, so teams went down. It did. So how, did that, how did that impact you? Oh, well, um, you know, during the, the day job, obviously, we're very teams heavy. So we kind of had to pivot into another communication method. Um, and also, you know, it really goes to show how teams really is your central location for everything, um, because I still had access to a lot of what I needed. It was just a real pain in the rear trying to get to it, because normally I just go to the channel, I go to my files, I get what I need, I search. Um, but, you know, I had to go into the SharePoint backend and had to to kind of go into Outlook groups and, and stuff like that to get the information I needed. So it was all there. I didn't, I wasn't like stopped completely, but it was definitely, you know, you're disruptive. Yes, definitely disruptive. For sure. So, so one of the things that I found were, I'm not, I'm not sure if the day job caught you on this. I know I had several people flood my mail, ready to take take the cliff, take the bridge. Teams isn't working, oh my goodness. Setting themselves on fire, running in circles, you know, mass hysteria, cats and dogs living together. It's like, take a deep breath, calm down. All your stuff's there. Everything's still good. You can get to it, as you mentioned, through the through the alternate alternate means. Uh, the ones that were more agitated than not were the ones that needed voice. So that's the challenge there and that's something that will need will need to be overcome in the future should things like this potentially happen which we know there's that happens right stuff happens um and this particular situation has happened more than once with large organizations um but having an alternate way to make sure you get your calls now one of the things i found or we found uh day job wise was uh, mobile wasn't as affected as the the client or the the web app. So uh, I just redirected people like just use your use your mobile device as your phone until things get right sized. Now we we were back up going in uh, under four hours. So that was significant. You know, it's the half of a, a working day uh, for most organizations if they have an eight hour working day. But um, you can consider it half of a working day. Um, but this opened people's eyes up to a couple things. One, which we don't like, is people are like, yeah, can't do that Teams thing anymore and kind of walk away. Uh, or it opened them up to, let's really look at, you know, we deployed Teams because it's easy. You check a box, you enable people and go. Um, but it's opened their eyes up to having a contingency plan and having, you know, this wouldn't be a disaster because nothing was lost and it wasn't like we we're in mode of like recovery and things of that nature. It was more of a business continuity kind of a thing. How do you keep business going? So um, I know in our notes here that we have some follow up with some organizations 
conversations around that very topic uh, for the day job. But I wonder if the audience out there are, are just going to look at this in the rearview mirror, especially knowing what the root cause issues seem to have been, uh, and say, "Yeah, it's fine," and just carry on. What if there's some other? not just a degrade in service, but a massive area outage in the space. How, how are you going to, how are you going to plan to that is, is the question I have to, to the listeners out there. Um, we know what we would do. Um, in fact, we, we, we do most of our own stuff. Uh, we drink our own champagne. Uh, but I will say that uh, that is on people's minds now. And, and unfortunately, there is a subset of people that are that are anti-Microsoft and anti-Teams. They're the slacky bunch uh, or whatever collaboration tool that they're they're baked on. And this is giving them, you know, ran, uh, you know, evidence to say, oh, see, can't use it. But if you think of it, when was the last time Teams really had a massive issue? or Microsoft Cloud in general. It's been a while. Now, you know what root cause was for this, right? Cert issue, right? Yep, cert issue. Mm. I don't know how that happens. (laughs) Those pesky certs. I'm I'm not going to cast any kind of uh, ill will or negative sentiments because this happens. This happens, especially with organizations have so many services. Um, It can happen. I would hope that uh, the, this would be not an issue moving forward. I know there was a competitor to Azure that had an issue with some certs in a particular services, and they, they renewed them. And about next quarter, it was like three or four months later, their, their services toppled again for the same reason. And mostly not because they did anything wrong with the certs, but there was like some dependent things that required those certs to be updated, and they weren't. Um, then they didn't see it, which, you know, if I'm in charge of a group of people running the infrastructure and I have a service topple and, you know, you have the, the people coming out bearing teeth and waving bare arms trying to swipe you, what's the first thing you do once you re- remediate the ship? You say, okay, what else is out there? And you go through every critical step and you try to make sure that you have that covered. Now, this isn't just a provider issue. Um, we have a lot of customers and clients in our day job that have hybrid solutions or just on-premises solutions. Um, they self-sign and they don't check that box to auto-renew, which is always a bad idea anyways, by the way, um, in my opinion. Uh, don't auto-renew your own certificates off your own signing. You want to make sure that you are making sure nothing is spoofing that or getting that cert where it doesn't need to be. Be that as it may, that's a security conversation. But it's so often that people just want to just like set it and forget it and they want their services running or they don't want to go through the pain or they don't have the knowledge on how to handle this. And um, in the enterprise or even small, medium, large SMB space, they, they tend to like just go autopilot or they'll build a cert for, you know, five years, (laughs) like push it way out there. So they don't got to deal with it. Um, The reality is, is you want to know what's in your, in your realm and that that cert's good and, and revoke that, revoke that thing. If, if it's on something, it doesn't need to be there. Or if that service changes, you don't want to have any open, open holes. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, you know, pushing it out there for five years, really, you know, just, increases the likelihood you're going to forget about it in five years, I think. So um, it's it's interesting. I, I agree with you that I don't really understand how that that happens for an organiza- organization that large. However, you know, that just goes to show 
um, you know, anything can happen. So having contingency, contingency plans, having backups, having um, a means to make it not the end of the world is, is critical. And, you know, some people say, well, we're too big, you know, that won't happen to us. Some people say, well, we're too small. We don't need to worry about that. Uh, but this just goes to show, you know, no matter what size, no matter what um, level you are and, and how good you plan and prep and, and, and stuff like that, something may happen. Um, and it's good to have, you know, a plan for what you're going to do when that does happen. Yep. Agreed. Um, that that's as, as current as it comes, you know, like as of the recording of this, that isn't a rear view a couple of days now, but it's, uh, February 11th, 2020. And, um, let, let's mark that down on a calendar and, and see in one year what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be, that'll be interesting. I hope they don't let that, you know, fool me once kind of thing. Shouldn't, shouldn't happen again. I hope yeah, at least not great. for the same reason. Agreed. Agreed. Um, you know, so in, in prowling around trying to like talk about current events and things that are happening right now. So there's been some releases of some updates in Azure over the last, uh, or actually yesterday was, was released some stuff. Um, you want to take, take the first one? Sure. So I think we have a couple here. I think we have a list of three. So the first one on our agenda list is Azure Resource Manager template support for NSG flow logs. Um, so when I read this, obviously, the, the NSG flow logs is kind of the, the highlight of it because, um, you know, ARM templates have been a thing for forever. But I really like how Microsoft is pushing infrastructure as code. And I think that's important for a lot of uh, a lot of our listeners to to kind of pay attention to if they don't already. Um, infrastructure as code is something that Microsoft's really really pushing, and, and this is you know an example of that. Where uh, you know when when we do things with with the day job, we definitely make sure that we push infrastructure as code and make sure you have templates for everything you're deploying, even if you just check that box to say download template. Um, but you know having a having the ability to not only just enact your your failover and, and your disaster recovery method, um, yeah, having all of those set up steps uh, as code and storing them logically in some place like Azure DevOps, I think that's super invaluable. Um, you know, you can you can have that in that that same instance exactly with the same settings, et cetera. Um, you know, in minutes just with a button click. So, um, you know, this is just one more one more example of it. And I know NSG flow logs is kind of the highlight of that that um that post but you know when i when i saw that my first thought was man they're really really pushing that and i think it's really great yeah absolutely that's uh it's a good thing that they're they're um wholly not just doing it themselves but promoting the success they have the skill azure that it to do this at scale essentially and the only way you can do things like that is with code and you hear all the time when you go to the the microsoft uh, events and specifically around the IaaS ones they're slowly engineering people's brains that are um server huggery type people or infrastructure people to say that you're developers too you're coders too because it's all in the code and you've heard us uh, before talk about um, DevOps and, you know, putting your stuff at Git and securing your infrastructure, being able to throw things away and and just spin stuff up with, you know, launching some code. And, and that's where that's where this is at. You know, you can go to VS Code and run a whole infrastructure setup from 
near beginning to end. You know, it's programmatically. It's awesome. It's good to hear. I, I think it's it's really important to kind of similar to our last topic that you're not too big and you're not too small to, to start doing this. You know, a lot of times when I'm working with with clients, they say, oh, we don't need to worry about this. We're just going to have a little, you know, a couple things in, in Azure and, and, you know, it's not mission critical and, you know, bother with with that. That's the time to have it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and, you know, on the, the reverse of that is too is true as well. Some people say, oh, well, we've already got a bunch of stuff in there and we haven't done it. So, you know, we're not going to start now. And, and that's, you know, that's the sunken cost fallacy. Um, if you, if you have been doing something, um, in, in Azure and, and you haven't saved your, your, your infrastructure as code, um, you know, it's not too late to start. Um, and, and if you're small and you're just getting your feet wet, you're in an ideal situation because it will sprawl, it will grow. And if you have all of that, it's super repeatable, super usable, uh, you know, put your, your variables in there and, and go, um, at some point, you're going to need to switch over something to a different subscription. You're going to need to switch something to a different environment, maybe. Um, and it, it'll be super helpful. And you'll be very, very glad you took the extra couple seconds to to save and store your your code uh, some, somehow logically. Yeah. Also, you know, the fact that aside from the, the best practice way of having your infrastructure backed up as code and being able to get get there faster, um, it's just it's just the best practice from a business perspective. You know, forget the IT look at. Let's look at it from a business perspective. You can do more with less, right? You don't you don't need when as you start moving to the, to Azure, you know, you get some well placed assistance from the outside to help you get things going, and then you know you just got ahead of steam to just move forward, and you don't have to sit there and say I need to hire an architect and I need to hire an engineer and I need to hire a cloud this person here and a cloud. It, it, you're not adding all that headcount. You're t- you're retooling your 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 existing people and you know getting maybe just a little bit of assistance from from a group outside or. Or, you know, maybe you are massive at scale global and you have a, a bajillion things out there and you do need that person, but it just allows you options. But the question I have around that is, is like, you know, say, for instance, you're one individual and you want to, you know, securely connect to Azure through VPN. And so you can get in and manage your world. What would you do there? I see this is a perfect segue. Look at you. <laughs> see what I did there? I saw what you did there, and that's a nice yeah. segue. And then I just ruined it by calling it a segue. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> happens every day, everywhere. <laughs> so, so, like native Active Directory authentication support with the uh, Azure VPN clients now available. So, there's uh, support for Open VPN protocol. Um, I'm just going to tell you to go check out the art news article and read it. I'm going to just give you the highlights of, of why it's making news and why it's important. Um, it allows you to do a lot of the things that you can do inside of Azure or inside your own um, network. So you're looking at user-based policies, conditional access, multi-factor uh, for P2S VPNs. So a lot of organizations, like the, the VPNs that they have on the ground are for are like site-to-sites. That, well, as we tear down the things that are sitting on your on-premises, there are still needs sometimes for either the administration layer or say there's an application that needs to be hardened and encrypted for some security policy or say your risk analysis says that we require certain people doing certain things to be run across an encrypted tunnel, not exposing an endpoint. So yes, there is a VPN client where you can do you know, like 
peer to site and you can have individuals VPNing like the old days of Cisco AnyConnect, or it's not, I shouldn't even say old days, it's, it's still done today. Uh, so, or the uh, the global tool that uh, Palo Alto uses. So there's an option to do that similar uh, function, but it's become more emboldened uh, with some of these newer uh, add-ons. So you can still have full connectivity and you can still multi-factor and single sign-on and all that now, whereas it was a little more clunky from the outside. Now it's fully baked VPN solution. Um, why is that important? Because as I mentioned, as we bring more and more things from on-premises to cloud, we sometimes still need to replicate some of those services that are out there or have that administration layer. So this is an opportunity for people to start pivoting things where that was a roadblock. It's now become an open road for people to get to the cloud and leverage that uh, P2S VPN client uh, that's out there. I personally would say that this would be a short-term solution, and I'm going to toss this back to you for your opinion, but uh, we want to try to find the best secure ways to do things, and this this covers that. Uh, I would think of if you are, for some, for some reason that you still need to do this and you can't have your applications being served to you in a different mechanism, uh, all while checking all the security bits. But if you don't have a way to have that, uh, have that done yet, this, this fixes that. But I would say, let's look at the landscape of why you need to do this. And do you still need to do this? Thoughts? Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, it's it's it seems more like a, uh, I don't want to call it a Band-Aid solution. It's truly not. It, it, it would work. Um, but I agree with you on maybe, you know, taking a step back. Like you said before, when, when something happens uh, with one service, you know, you, you reevaluate, take a step back and look at, at your other services and, and see what else needs um, you know, to be updated or, or whatever that may be. Um, I think this is a similar case where, um, you know, fix the immediate or not fix, but implement the immediate need and uh, maybe take a step back and see how you can architect that a little differently um, to, to, to make it more efficient while, like you said, still checking the security boxes. Yeah, but you know, you know, you never know. Uh, you sometimes still need to have that administration connection, that administrative connection. You know, like say for instance, you know, you have a SQL database, and that database needs some work on it, and the only way you can get into that back end because the way it's done is through that VPN um, connection. But you know, maybe that SQL database isn't tuned properly. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, if only there was a way to like have automatic tuning like of the default settings. And if only like that would come out like next month, wouldn't that be awesome? March, 2020 automatic March tuning 20- default settings. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're so great at transitions today. And that, <laughs> that was definitely being sarcastic. Um, I was reading up on, on this one and it seems kind of interesting. Um, so, you know, they're, they're basically finding ways to optimize the database and, and providing that to, to the, the end user. And it just goes to show that, you know, Microsoft is not really wanting you or Azure, I should say specifically, is not really wanting you to just spend cycles unnecessarily. You know, this change may, you know, have some customers that maybe don't need as high of a, a, a you know, a, a SQL tier uh, in the cloud. Um, and they don't want you just to, you know, have a crazy high up compute or, you know, storage uh, tier, I guess, if you, if you don't need it, you know, if you are spending unnecessarily, they really do want to right size that. Uh, and their, their philosophy on that is you'll have that, that budget for other things. So, um, you know, good for them for 
finding ways to optimize databases and make the bits work a little bit better and save cost. Yeah, absolutely. So these three features that we talked about here with our fantastic segues, um, those are to be released uh, March 2020, when in March, I'm not sure. I still know that uh, I was fully expecting to see March 2020 custom background blur, but... <laughs> That didn't happen. It's been a couple while well, since I said it, right? It's been a couple episodes. So. Uh, yeah. So, do you remember the do you remember the Apollo thirteen movie with Tom Hanks? Did you see that? <laughs> so, there's the scene where uh, they're getting ready to turn the capsule back on, and there's a sticky note on top of the jettison the 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 lem, and it says no real big. I kind of had that on my monitor, and it said like background blur. No, don't talk about it anymore. And <laughs> I, I did a little cleanup of my desk, and somehow that made its way to the recycling bin. So, <laughs> so I'm allowed to bring it up. <laughs> it's back on the table. It's back on the table. Yep. We're gonna have to have like an impromptu show when it comes out, and all we're gonna talk about for a solid half hour to an hour is background blur. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we? You know what we should do is uh, make that on the video channel. <laughs> Just yes. constantly rotating through different backgrounds. <laughs> yes. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. <laughs> oh, that's most excellent. Uh, so I'm going to throw you a question that's not on our agenda. And um, there, there's a there's a reason for it. So anyone who follows our day job organization and or us personally uh, see a lot of activity around LinkedIn and Twitter, uh, specifically around, you know, the Microsoft stack and some of the things and in, in large use cases and, and scenarios and videos and things of that nature. So I've been living in LinkedIn, LinkedIn quite a bit uh, recently because um, – that's just what I've been having to do. Is LinkedIn the new email? Because I seem to get people messaging me on LinkedIn more than I'm getting emails. So my question to you, is or will LinkedIn be the new messaging platform for business? That's a good question. Um, uh, uh, pause. Asterisks. Obviously not for security and attachments and things of that nature, but just reaching out saying, hey – we're going to have this meeting or we want to do this. We want to do that. Okay. I'm going to throw it back to you then. So obviously with, you know, modern workplace and implement implementing teams and, and stuff like that, email does go down, which is one of the, the you know perks of it. Cause I do get, you know, a lot of email and with the implementation of teams, a lot of things that was an email is now a team's message, but that's interesting kind of outside the organization. You might be right. I never really considered that, but you know, a, a specific uh, case that, that we talk about all the time is, is recruiters, right? We get a lot of emails from recruiters saying, hey, you know, here's this job. Are you interested? Or here's that job. Are you interested, et cetera? Um, and I, I still get emails pretty frequently um, from recruiters, but most of them, you're right, is, is in LinkedIn. So I think I think you might be onto something there. Um, they, they might be switching over to that platform but I guess my question is, why? Is it just easier? Is it easier so, to find people? It's more the social media yeah. aspect. So I think I think that's I think you're onto a couple things here. This is my this is what my opinion in is as of um, the recording of this show. It will change probably in an hour. Uh, but uh, so I think that you know the old days of maintaining your contact list for business used to be making sure you had your contact list. Well, way like put the way back machine on. You had a little book and you had a stack of business cards. And every anytime you changed a job or you you needed to find somebody out, you ruffled through it, right? The Rolodex. Then mm -hmm. it moved to like email and then your Outlook. 
And then, well, you know, businesses don't let you kind of port, make your outlook portable. So the syncing of phones with contacts seemed to be the way things were done. But then, you know, fast forward to the to the social world where everything has a social media app or a social app. I think it's the app that's driving this because, you know, you need to find somebody you worked with. You go on the app or you go on the, on the website and you're like, put the company name in, put the person's name in connect or, you know, send a request, or if you're a premium user, send in, in mail. Um, and I think it's just become easier to, to your point one, to find people and not have to maintain their contacts in something that you have. Now, obviously it's, it's a bit of a hybrid thing, right? Cause you'll hear people freaking out. I still use my phone and I have stacks of business cards or what have you, but every app that you go, would you like to sync LinkedIn with your phone app boom and then it's going to automatically try to create those connections for you or pull the ones in that you have on linkedin and say like try to populate as much as possible um but i think it's easy when i'm when when you're in there or when you're on the app or something like that especially if it's somebody you don't email for work or you're sending contracts or stuff for or you're you're doing business development or you're just trying to reach out to find somebody that you knew that you worked at that had expertise or you're looking for a mentor just to throw a linkedin message and then i, I scheduled three meetings the meetings were 100 percent scheduled in the messaging of LinkedIn. And it wasn't me doing it, it was other people doing it. Uh, and the other people we're doing that with are technologists, like much like us, and very much like what our day job is. So it's not like, I don't know, it was, it was, it started making me think, I was like, you know, I'm spending way too much time in. And so I went to my, my router logs and all that kind of stuff. And I'm looking, I'm like, a lot of traffic going to LinkedIn. And that's made me think, I've been in there. And the question is, is it going to go away? No, it's not. Is it a useful tool for business? It is. Let's just hope that it doesn't. This is, a, and I'm going to throw this part to you for your for your opinion. But I hope that it doesn't turn into face space or one of the other ones very similar to that, where it's like, here's a post of me hanging out with my puppy, fishing. I mean, that's what the personal social media stuff for. I'm not saying I don't care to see that. I like to see that. And if you're promoting yourself saying, look, I'm well-rounded, I understand that. But I don't think that that's a place to, to, to just pound home. Like, here's my family reunion pictures and here's my – that's not the intended use of that platform. It's, it's for, for business people to connect on business things and show what they're smart at and what their expertise is. Ask me in an hour. I'll change my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I was going to you know, mention that I think not only is, is LinkedIn sort of replacing that email layer, but also, you know, business cards you brought up. And, you know, when we're out doing business development or at a, a conference, you, you usually blow people's mind with the business card feature, the QR code in, in LinkedIn. You want to plug that real quick before I, I finish my, my uh. talk? Yeah, absolutely. So, so this is the best like conference slash trade so slash meeting thing you can do um, when you need to trade information. You know that whole like ah, I don't got my card kind of a thing. Well, you just go to the search button, hit the barcode, and and you have an option to scan someone's code or show your code. And the barcode, like if I say you and I are Lincoln, I say click touch in the little search where you type in your name. You hit the bar the QR icon. And I say, show my information. A, bar, a QR code will show up. You scan my QR code. Boom, we're linked. And it's that easy. 
that that it's awesome we we blown some blown, blown some many minds with that one um and, it, and it's, it's been there for a while too that's the it, thing <laughs> it has um so i think it's it's replacing um you know that business card layer too because even without that um that was just a, a plug but even without that you know a lot of times we're you know at a conference and people are just like oh, i'll link in with you you know rather than here's my business card so it's it's replacing that um i do spend a lot of time in, in linkedin messages but i don't really spend as much time in the actual timeline kind of view of, of LinkedIn. I just I don't really spend much time there. Um, so I do agree, though. I think that should be, um, you know, mainly for business um, with light exceptions, like you said. Um, but, um, you know, there's there's Twitter and Facebook and stuff for your personal life. And if you feel the need to include the personal life, then you should include a link to Twitter or Facebook in your, in your profile. Um, but I think that that LinkedIn should kind of remain for business um, to keep it kind of pure to its intended use. Yep, absolutely. And, and you know, the one thing that I find in LinkedIn is you, you don't get a lot of repeats, right? So how often in the uh, face-based world do you go and you like see like, ah, Mr. Wentworth, he's got a thing about a dog. And my wife's a dog person, and she sees the dog thing at the same time. Well, then she says and reposts something about the dog, and then we're all dog people. So all of a sudden, like, all our friends are dog and stuff, and then, oh, we're liking each other's dog thing. It's wasting zeros and ones, right? I'm, I'm okay with that. Don't Please don't take it as I don't want to see dog stuff. I love dog stuff. I'm just saying the way that it, the timeline stuff is presented in LinkedIn is far more efficient. You're, you know, if there's multiple people doing multiple things, um, I know FaceSpace kind of sort of does this, but this is like 100% doubt in here on LinkedIn where it it shows you what's relevant. It tries to keep it concise and it will have that referential link to other people's that have agreed with that. So, all right, that was a little longer than I expected uh, on that topic, but <laughs> that was a good topic. Yeah, like it that. is. It is. And I, I uh, tend to agree. Channel 9 Video of the Week, the on.net show, uh, Azure Event Hubs, authentication and authorization options. So uh, again, with the Channel 9 stuff, we're not going to talk very much on it because we want you to consume that content and and we will uh, blog or micro blog about what our thoughts are after you've been given time, the listening audience, to, to digest that. So uh, things that's going to touch on are shared access signatures and rule-based controls uh, through Event Hub's authentication and authorization. Um, it's actually pretty cool. Uh, I, I dig it. It applies to my real world. Uh, very much so. So I think it might apply to yours as well. And we have a bonus Channel 9 video of the week uh, kind of going along the lines. I threw another one on here uh, because the infrastructure as code type stuff that we talked about earlier. I put a little forethought into agenda this week. Uh, so we have to have a bonus video. Uh, Terraform modules deploying reusable code. So if you're a user of Terraform, modules must be your thing. It allows you to, and again, I'm not going to go too deep on this because you need to consume this content yourself directly from Microsoft's Channel 9. Um, but it helps break down large deployments into smaller chunks. Uh, allows you to scale and repeat some of your your Terraform, you know, your main.tf. Sometimes you have this big giant thing. So it'll allow you to break that up and 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 this is not a word, but I'm going to say it anyways, variableize um, a lot of things into smaller repeatable uh, chunks. So there is a whole section on Terraform in Channel 9. So if you're not familiar with Terraform, uh, reach out to your 
friendly neighborhood consultants and or check out the videos on channel nine that'll help you there to uh, get a good base knowledge and then um, you know talk to someone who's done this real world to help you uh, see if it applies terraform is definitely a a good thing to do friendly neighborhood consultants <laughs> i noticed we didn't have a uh, a fun lighthearted ending for for this video um so i i, I have one it's three days until valentine's day so this is our valentine's day episode even though we didn't talk anything about valentine's day so what are your, what are your uh thoughts on valentine's day i know people get very opinionated about it number one and also um any plans that you have if you have any so um i won't tell you how i feel about valentine's day <laughs> I don't want to offend any uh, any Valentine's Day people out there that find it as a great day to show love and affection for one another that we don't do year round or at least acknowledge um, each other a little bit more special. Sure, go for it. Um, we tend to be super low key on that day. We um, we're going to be going having nachos and watching some hockey that day. So that's that's our plans. Um, again what we feel about it and, and, and how commercial things have gone. And I'm not talking like Charlie Brown episode of like, Oh, commercialization of holidays. I mean, it truly was an invented holiday. Wasn't it like, yeah, that seems to be the, uh, it seems to be the common trend, but I do, I do think that, you know, it's, it's a, it's an invented holiday, but you know, there, there is, uh, some perks about it. I, I, we, we tend to avoid the actual day just because it gets crazy. You know, everybody goes out to eat, all the restaurants are packed and you got to wait an hour for seating and all of that. So we usually end up going out somewhere, um, you know, the couple days later and, and sort of acknowledging the day, but we don't, we don't go too crazy with it either. But, um, yeah, that one is kind of, uh, an invented holiday, I think to, to get some, flowers and and card sales up but hey you know it works yep absolutely works and um and if you need to be reminded by a calendar event that somebody's important to you and that you love them then go for it <laughs> and if you're a flower shop and valentine's day is coming up perfect perfect use case for auto scaling in azure so I mean, absolutely there you go it could it could it could help you out there bring it full circle and and you can like tear those resources down and then burst them back up for Mother's Day. Ah, oh, sweet. <laughs> I mean, perfect use case. Perfect like use it. case. Yeah. So you are going to lay low. You're going to avoid the day, but celebrate another day. Um, I'm going to watch some hockey with with my beloved and um, have some nachos. And I think that's all we have for the show today, huh? Any call outs you want to? present we'll, on this yeah, show? We'll, put, we'll put call outs in in the show notes um you know specifically taste labs and solutions for networks uh, so check their links out in the show notes awesome with that i think that's all we have for today's show thanks for listening and join us next time for uh episode 12 goodbye today's show is produced by mr wentworth directed by michael askins graphics and artwork provided by art by sophia edited by mr wentworth visit the show notes for terms and conditions <laughs>